Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, this is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, again, welcome everybody, uh, whether you're uh, just starting now or catch, uh, catch up with us in a little bit. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about the show in case this is your first time listening to uh, Snake Oil Radio. I've uh, been doing the show for a couple of years, and we run the show every Thursday. I should say almost every Thursday. Uh, more about that in a few minutes. Uh, anyway, we run the show every Thursday uh, from 3.30 to uh, quarter to 4, and this is uh, Phoenix time, which right now is actually Pacific time. Uh, I'm Jim Ventura. I am an author and a teacher and a uh, navigational consultant who has expertise in astrology and uh, tarot and numerology and rune stones and animal cards and uh, all different kinds of oracles that I've uh, studied and worked with over the years. In fact, I do do personal sessions with clients uh, in person here in my home office in Phoenix and also by phone. Uh, so if you want more information about those things, you can uh, check that out on my website, which is on the site here, uh, and get some more information about that. My uh, show is also, uh, uh, you know, every, every month I, I do a uh, snake oil column, and I always read that on air the first Thursday of each month. And then we talk a little bit about that particular um, uh, column that I've written. Uh, if you're not already receiving my monthly column, then uh, email me at VenturaWords at Mac.com or adventurasage at uh, yahoo.com, and I'll add you to my mailing list for my monthly column. Uh, if you're added to my mailing list, uh, the columns are always blind copied, by the way, meaning that no one will ever get your email address from me. Uh, I keep those very, very private for good reason. So this is our third uh, show of the month, and uh, the, uh, we would have technically been fourth, and I want to talk a little bit about that. I actually missed my first uh, broadcast um, last week. Uh, I was able to uh, cancel it about an hour and a half before it started. Um, so I apologize to anyone who might have been uh, looking toward uh, catching the show and, and wondered why I was not on air last week. So not usually uh, my particular speed to to miss or skip any types of shows, but uh, I had actually taken a trip to Las Vegas uh, the Sunday before that, and I had driven there from Phoenix. Uh, you can drive to Vegas in about four and a half hours. Um, it's actually fairly easy to do. And I had, uh, I had planned on leaving early Thursday morning with plenty of time to come back and run errands and take care of things at home and still be able to cover my radio show. But, uh, you know, strangely enough, um, I was not paying attention, and I think I was also a bit overtired. And uh, I had made a little bit of a mistake on my way back down uh, south into Phoenix and had, had actually gone too far east. And when I recognized that I was going too far east, the way the road is set up up there you can't actually turn around. So you know, after 20 miles of, of, of being really kind of dumb and, and not really realizing what I was doing, that I was going the wrong way, I, uh, I had to go another like 15, 16 miles before I actually could find a point to actually turn around in a town called Seligman. So I ended up going almost like 35, 40 miles each way out of my way. 
So very, very frustrating. And by the time I actually got back to Phoenix, I had lost about another hour. I didn't get in until about 1.30, almost 2, and my show was uh, 3.30, and I was just too tired and, and just didn't have the energy for it. So uh, I did something I, don't, again, don't, don't normally do, which is cancel an actual broadcast. Uh, I want to maintain a certain consistency with those things. Uh, so anyway, but kind of an interesting point that I want to talk about, because this is um, – my uh this is my my listeners choice show so we're going to talk about any subjects that any uh people that are listening in today or in the chat room want to bring up and ask about uh so I'll get to that in a moment but um and uh, let me interject here yes hello Tara one good to see you uh so you've had a couple of people popping into the chat room and there's uh, Tara one uh, I know you had a question about some things a couple weeks back, so we'll hopefully we'll get to address that today for you. Good to see you. Uh, so what was interesting that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this, and then I'll open up the phone lines and we'll we'll start to look at uh, taking some questions. Uh, and you're you know you're absolutely uh, allowed to comment to ask questions, even a, a personal one. Uh, I always do say that if I if I'm answering on air. Uh, with any of the personal questions, I'm going to try to keep them down to about five minutes each in case we get a lot of callers. Uh, so uh, just kind of a little mini reading. If anyone has a question, it's certainly uh, up, for, up for grabs. And we'll get to that shortly. Um, but what was interesting about my, my detour and my, my quote-unquote big mistake, you know, I've, I've actually driven it and, and done that trip a number of times. Uh and it was funny that I, I made the mistake uh, because it really was uh, it was really a minor thing. Looking back on it, it was pretty minor. But at the time, I was really, really pissed off at myself for, for doing it, especially when I wasn't able to turn around. Um, I think that anyone, a lot of people may have this issue, but anyone who's also Sagittarius knows that there's something about being caged or, or, or stuck where you don't have movement in that sense that can really, really bring up some discomfort. And I think the bigger issue was I you know, I was almost sort of like cursing myself for my stupidity, for not paying attention. So here I am kind of berating myself intensely. And then when I finally, you know, made it back and I got back on track, I, I could feel that relief come and that recognition of uh of of how much energy we could spend kind of beating ourselves up for mistakes. Uh, you know, I've learned over the years to be much kinder to myself. And then the cosmic joke is when you're kind to yourself, then other people will typically tend to be very, very uh, much more much more kind with you. Uh, and that's really a very, very key thing to, to be aware of. Uh, you know, it, it's good to check in with yourself and catch yourself if you're making mistakes or if you are, uh, you know what I mean, if you're, if you're doing something that's not all that smart, but I think that we have to really, really be careful about this sort of self-inflicted um, punishment that many of us will do when we get mad uh, at ourselves in that sense. In fact, you know, I think it's it's a combination of a little bit of the, uh, I have a lot of Virgo in my astrology chart, and then there's a little bit of Scorpio in there as well, too. And it brings up an interesting point that I have made about astrology. You know, often Scorpio sort of gets this quote-unquote bum rap as a sign of being uh, mean. And I, you know, I don't find that to be the case with the majority of Scorpios. In fact, I find a lot of, and a lot of times they're actually um, more likely to kind of inflict the poison into themselves when they feel like they screwed up or, 
you know, to be mad at themselves in that sense than necessary other people. And that can take quite some time before they get to that point as well, too. So I do think, you know, there is a wisdom in being kind and good to ourselves. And, you know, what was funny about my trip to Las Vegas is, you know, I, I have to um, look at the fact that I guess in some respects I kind of had a couple of angels on the shoulder when it really came down to it because I was in Las Vegas for four days and four nights. And my my I didn't pay for my hotel rooms; so those were comped um, because I I do um, I do play fairly often, and uh, my my food was comped as well too. So it was really gambling money and tips and gas for the car and a few other little expenses that were there all along. But uh, this particular trip, um, and I was actually in a slot tournament, and I won a hundred dollars in the slot tournament. And you know, long story short, I actually came back with a little over three hundred dollars more than I left with. So I had a four-day, four-night Las Vegas trip that cost me nothing, and I profited um, $300 on top of it. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, you know, definitely definitely very – not a common experience, by the way. <laughs> but uh, when, when it does happen, and it does from time to time, it's rather awesome that that was the case. I was just very lucky. Uh, Anyway, so Tura One, you mentioned that you will be in Las Vegas in October just as a tourist. Uh, well, I, I I think that uh, I, I don't know. I, well, I guess unless you live in in, in Las Vegas, then uh, you're, you're probably a tourist. You know, as much as I like Vegas, because I actually go maybe every other month. Um, it's funny because as much as I like it, you know, I've had people say. Well, you know, you should um, you should move to Vegas if you like it so much. And I say this with love. You know, anyone who lives in Vegas, I'm sure they they probably like it. But I have no desire to live in Las Vegas. Um, you know, I mean, if you'd like to visit the Bahamas, um, you don't have to necessarily move there to enjoy to enjoy the Bahamas. I, you know, I mean, I think that's sort of the point that you're going somewhere else and you're going somewhere that's different. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, it's just to me, it's it's a vacation spot. It's an easy one for me to get to. I tend to get treated uh, very well when I'm there, um, and uh, it often can be uh, fairly inexpensive for me to actually go there. Uh, you know, I, you know, when I go to any other city um, that doesn't isn't casino connected, I have to pay for my rooms. And uh, it's funny because while I was there, I had a friend who was calling me repeatedly, and she was trying to. You know, trying to convincing, trying to convince me to come to Vegas again this week when she was going, and I, I had to laugh because I was like, I'm not going to Vegas again a week later when I come back. I don't live that kind of, um, I don't live that kind of life <laughs> where I could take a, you know, constant vacations in that sense. Even if I did win, uh, you know, I mean, I have appointments and I have a cat and I have a home and I have, you know, I mean, I have things that have to be attended to. I'm not in a, in a terminal vacation mode as appealing as that might be. But uh, she was telling me that. You know, at, at this time of year, the, the rooms were actually rather expensive. She couldn't get anything for under 120, and even the better rooms were closer to 250, 300 dollars. So again, I really had to count that as a blessing that I, I was able to get um, that that situation so inexpensively. Um, okay, so um, I'm going to throw in the uh, the call-in number if anybody if anybody wants has a question they want to ask, and I think we'll address. Um, uh, to Rowan's question uh, from uh, two weeks ago, anyway, to first, but I will throw that number in. Uh, Call-in number here is 646-200-3966. Again, that number is uh, 646-200-3966.
and I will I will pop that up again um, shortly uh, uh, halfway through the show. So um, I'm going to talk to my uh, my uh, one of the, my uh, people in the uh, in the uh, guest room here in the chat room. So Toro one is mentioning that you're thinking about moving to Puerto Rico in about three years. Yeah, well that would certainly be. Um, probably a very appealing place to to go to. I've actually heard fairly good things about Puerto Rico also. Um so but uh, yeah, I mean, you know what? I you know, I I've, I've actually, you know, for for as a Sagittarius person, I'm actually pretty stable. I think it's the Taurus rising part of me. I've actually only lived in two places in my life. I've lived in New York and I have lived in Phoenix and actually almost equal for both. I've been in Phoenix for about 21 years and I was in New York for about 23 or so. So um, I've traveled a bit, but um, I have not uh, been, um, been, you know, have jumped around from state to state as much as maybe some other people might have done in terms of moving. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely think also that, you know, it can be good to move from your place of birth at some point um, because I think it gives you a different cultural perspective on, um, on on other viewpoints in that sense. Really, really, it can be tremendously valuable to have moved and made a change. You know, I always think back a couple of years ago. There was a, a friend of mine who had a, a guy he was working for who was a. Uh, I, I guess he did something with with um, furniture. Um, he was an antique dealer of sorts, and he had done a little traveling throughout the country with his business, but for the most part, he had lived his 70-something years in a small town in Kentucky, and one of the things, I had met the both of them for uh, lunch, and I had said, you know, how do you like living in, you know, this particular city, and it was funny because he, uh, his uh, response, of course, was, oh, I love it, and I would never live anywhere else because, you know, this little town in Kentucky is the best place in America or in the world that anyone could possibly live. And I thought that was really very patriotic and very loyal to his town, but also kind of a little on the stupid side. Um, you know, I don't, you know, that, that seems like a very myopic point of view when you haven't really made much of a comparison to living somewhere else. And he really was a very rigid, very kind of narrow-minded type of person. In other conversations that I had had with him, I was catching that that kind of a little bit of a prejudiced kind of narrow disposition in how he perceived things. Now, I'm certainly not saying that everybody that grows up in some town and never moves is going to be narrow-minded, because there's multiple ways of expanding your perceptions and consciousness. You know, not everyone is. But yeah, there can be you know large groups of people that do kind of fall into that category, in that sense. Because when you don't have that much to compare to, in that sense, um, often there is a, a you know tendency to get very very narrow in your scope to make a decision that you know this is the only place that that's good. Anyway, so I might come back to this point in a little bit. So Turo One is asking a question here, so let's see if we can address that for you. You have mentioned that you have your own book. Uh, congratulations, if I haven't already said that. In that sense, so let's. I'm taking a look at the the book. Um, this is one of the things that's cool about doing an online radio show. Of course, it's so easy for me to click on this, and um, uh, it's Magic Marks Magical Ways. Um, uh, interesting. I I had thought that um, you were doing a um, 
a book on Tarot. So maybe this is also um, somewhat about Tarot as well, too, within uh, within this structure here, too. So let me ask you a couple of questions, and then we'll maybe pull a couple of cards on this to see what we get around this particular question for you. Um, so did you self-publish the book? Uh, that would be um, my, my first question, or did you actually go with a, a publisher? So uh, the book says, Mind, Magic, Techniques for Influencing Ourselves and Others. Interesting. So uh, uh, I, like the, uh, I like the way this looks like this is laid out. It looks like they did a good job. We were able to uh, catch a couple of, of pages of the book itself. Um, yeah, it looks very good. Um, I wonder how much of this book they put up here. It looks like they put a fair amount of material on your book here. Um, so wonder, yeah, I see. Okay, so I'm wondering. Uh, yeah, it looks like they put a, a, a good couple of pieces of your book here. Um, and yes, you're a stage musician. Okay. Uh, well, that's a you know that that's actually very funny um, that you you bring that up because you know when I was a kid. I was very, very much fascinated with magic. Um, I had, you know, a number of, of magic kits and various things, and I used to read on the subject um, and really, really enjoyed it. Um, definitely was one of those early um, pulls that I had as well. Looks like you continued on with it in that sense, which is cool. Uh, so I'm guessing you also do uh, stage magic uh, professionally as well, right? Says you're a stage ma uh, magician. So do you? Uh, did you uh is there any information about tarot within the book itself or was this largely a kind of a different uh, concept you worked with uh in that way Because uh, it sounds like it looks like from what I'm catching here the book is more about um uh it looks like it's it's more about uh you know again this this idea of of how to influence people and and uh, all of those things so cool very good uh looks looks excellent um, let me see what, uh, what which which company did you is, is this through Amazon or not or did, is this um, a different company that you you promote on? Because you if you uh, if you if you if you have if you have hypnosis stuff you're saying yeah if you have you put it through another company I'm sure you could still probably get it on Amazon. You know my book is on Amazon. Um, I used a, a self-publishing company as well, too. In fact, I'm going to do the same thing for my second book. Um, I think uh, it looks like um, I think maybe I'll I'm going to I'm going to see how, what I what I kind of get on this in that sense. One of the things that I will what I'll tell you from having self-published myself, um, and I'll talk about this at a practical level, and then I think I'm going to pull a card or two on this for you and see what we get around this particular. Um, uh, subject in that sense. Um, let me see. Let me see what I can get on the book itself. Okay. So, all right. That that fits. Um, okay. Uh, so, one of the things I'll say. This is purely from a practical angle. You know, it's actually it's very interesting as a as an author and, and, a, and a publisher myself, um, uh, from from a self published perspective. I have found that um, you know I've talked to different people who use traditional publishing houses. And I've talked to people who have self-published, and again, putting myself in the self-publishing category. You know, it's funny because I, um, I, I had thought that, um, 
I see you saying I don't expect to quit my day job yet. Yeah, I had initially had expected a lot more sales of my book, even just by getting published. And I found that really you have to do a lot of self-promotion in order to, to, to sell the book and get people to see it. So it's funny because I was contemplating um, publishing a second book and uh, and uh, not even contemplating, I'm actually in the process of doing it. I was going back and forth and asking people who had used traditional publishers. And you know the response I got from the majority of them was like, oh yeah, they don't even do that much promotion for you. You still have to do a ton of promotion yourself. So I had a laugh because I thought, um, again, I kind of had this fantasy in my mind, of course, that if you used a traditional publishing house, they were going to really market for you and all kinds of things. So I'm hearing that in a lot of cases they don't even do that much with it, so you still have to kind of do that. So I think in either case you have to, um, you really have to do your, you know, a fair amount of your own marketing in order for uh, book sales to really, really be productive. So again, um, yeah, I would agree with you, uh, uh, Tarot One. Uh, <laughs> that you don't want to necessarily quit your day job over it in that sense. It really is great publishing a book, though. I think that um, it really um, is, a, is, a, is a great thing to be able to do. Um, certainly will, will um, up your, your visibility in some respects as well. I would also think that for you, if you're doing, um, you know, if you're doing work as a, hip, as a, as a magician and uh, hypnosis and various other things, too, that when you do performances or you work with people in a sense you could have your book as a um as a thing that you could sell in essence on the side as well which i would also highly recommend i know when i do talks i always bring books with me um and i found um i found that uh i actually recently did a promotion through kind of a groupon type of an ad for my business and um and one of the things that has come out of it is I've sold a lot of books. Uh, Seventy-two people bought gift certificates to, for a very, very excruciatingly discounted <laughs> astrological uh, uh, session with me in that sense. But you know, I've gotten a lot of new uh, clientele out of it, and um, it also um, it also has produced uh you know a lot of new clientele but I also ended up making a lot of book sales uh, from it a lot of a lot more people became aware of the book and more interested in in buying it in that sense so uh definitely a, a good tool and then I think you know the beauty of it is if you if you decide you're really going to be an author as you as you add new books to your your series you're going to inevitably not only sell your new books but then people will be interested in your previous books you know I mean it really can become a process in that sense um, uh, so Tarot One, you say, I dedicated my book to my mom for Mother's Day. Very, very thoughtful. Um, I uh, also wrote something uh, uh, somewhat positive about my mother in my book as well, too. So always good to um, always good to appreciate the mom. Uh, very, very, very positive thing uh, to be able to do in that sense. So I pulled a runestone to see what. Um, what uh, the energy was around the book, and it actually came through for for your book. It came through um, the rune of wholeness. So um, the rune of wholeness is kind of the it's the twenty fourth or one of the last runes in the uh, rune book in that sense uh, that are listed. It's called Sewellu. And uh, let me throw a couple of different kind of passage quotes from the book about this. Um, Sewellu. Um, 
stands for wholeness. It means life force, the sun's energy. Um, uh, he says, Suelo stands for wholeness, that which our nature requires. It embodies the impulse towards self-realization and indicates a path that you must follow, not from ulterior motives, but from the core of your individuality. Seeking after wholeness is a spiritual warrior's quest, and yet what you are striving to become in actuality is what by nature you already are. Uh, become conscious of your essence and bring it into form and express it in a creative way. A rune of great power, making life force available to you. Suelo marks the time for regeneration right down to the cellular level. Okay, so there's a couple little passages from that. So typically, you know, it's funny because this rune, and the runes are um, a Viking oracle, and they're kind of like a series of kind of symbols. Um, the Vikings used them as a navigational aid. In fact, it is really one of the primary um, type of, of oracles uh, or, uh, you know, runes that I, that I like to work with. I think it's, I like the runes because they kind of tell you what to do. So in, in this rune, in, in relation to uh, to uh, Tyrone's question about his book, it is suggesting that this is, you know, really coming into your own, doing something that is, in essence, um, uh, part of you becoming whole, part of you becoming um uh, uh, you know, becoming you know solid in that way, um, but he brings up an interesting point here that he says because he says seeking after wholeness, um, uh, and yet he says when what you're striving to become in actuality is what by nature you already are. Um, so when I, it really, you know, it's interesting because that's a great point. I've often said that to, to to people as well too. I think even when you go to school, you're going school to school to learn, but really in many ways you're just you're just taking the time to practice and to learn and convince yourself that you have a skill and an ability that you already have at some levels. Um, you know what I mean? It, it really is that, you know, it's, it's really tapping into that energy. One of the things that um, the Rune of Wholeness talks about is, um, he, he mentions this later on in the passage, and I won't read the entire thing, but I can kind of uh, paraphrase this for you. One of the things that he says is um, there, there's two elements of wholeness that really are, um, or positive, in essence, to look at. Sometimes we have to be willing to open up and share who we really, really are. Uh, you know, sometimes we're hiding more than we know in that sense, and we have to really, really let who we are out and let the world really, really see it because it will be valuable to many people if we're able to do that. Um, he also mentions that sometimes uh, there's a, times when we need to retreat, when we need to pull back, even if temporary, in that sense, that there's a wisdom in knowing when to retreat, um, because often, sometimes, you know, we don't always have to take action. Uh, sometimes there, there is that wisdom in knowing that you might have to take a break or to pull back, and that we don't always have to expend our energy. So the wise person really understands that duality in that sense and the way to be. He uses, a, uh, he uses what he calls a giatri. And if anyone has ever heard of, of sun gazing, they'll understand the energy behind this in that sense. When we when we sun gaze, you know, and obviously you don't sun gaze at the peak of day and look directly into the sun. You know, sun gazing is done, um, you know, often when the sun is setting or rising, when it's not at a damaging point for you to look at. But when you look at the sun in that sense and you sun gaze, what you're doing is you're taking in the energy of the sun and what it represents. Astrologically, our sun sign is where we get life force and vitality. So the sun represents that element of life force and vitality and how we kind of plug in the cosmic central so the, he he makes this suggestion that, um, and there's a little prayer, and he calls it the Gyatri, and it is part of what this rune is talking about. And the, the prayer is, you who are the source of all power, whose rays illuminate the whole world, 
illuminate also my heart so that two can do your work. So while you're reciting the Gyatri, what you want to do is you want to see the sun's rays streaming into your heart and then reflecting back out of your heart and, and, and really influencing other people in that sense. So it's a very, very powerful prayer, and it typically tends to make us really, really um, excited about doing what we're meant to do and the work that we're meant to do in the world in that sense. Um, so you might you might really want to try this gyatri at a, you know at a key point again not really looking at the sun at a you know any type of point where it could potentially hurt your eyes looking at it when it's kind of on the on the horizon in that sense um so let me read a couple of your things here you said uh you do already have the skills yes i have trained magicians and hypnotherapists absolutely i wrote this book originally as a text for teaching uh yeah absolutely you know, it's funny that you bring this up today because I had a I I, I do do uh, past life regression for clients, but I don't have much call for it. Um, most people want personal sessions with me, and there aren't this pull to to uh, to uh, uh, hypnotherapy and to do past life regressions, even though I do know how to do it and I'm I'm, I'm trained in doing it. Um, but I today for the first time in probably a year, I got a call for someone who was interested in. A, uh, a past life regression session with me, and then of course I'm talking to you today, a trained hypnotherapist and a magician as well too. So uh, awesome little um, synchronicity there in that sense. And I, I very much do enjoy doing uh, the hypnotherapy work with people. Again, I just don't really get that much call for it uh, in comparison to the other things that people pull at me for. So um, again, kind of a little universal marker there in that sense. But um, I, I can tell you um, that, uh, you know, it, you know, I've done a lot of past life regressions. I've done um, uh, meditation and, and, uh, and, uh, and hypnosis, self-hypnosis and all of those things and work with other people. And it's an awesome tool. Uh, really, really, in essence, I think that we're, we're hypnotized all the time in completely different contexts, you know what I mean, in that sense in terms of what our focus is. Uh, but getting back to this point that uh, we were talking about for you also with this kind of rune of wholeness is really there's something um, in understanding that, you know, in fact, let me read this little, one of the little latter passages that he says. He says, um, there is a caution here not to give yourself airs, even in a time of bountiful energy. You are required to face and vanquish your refusal to let right action flow through you. Nourish this capacity, for it is the mark of true humility. Practice the art of doing without doing. Aim yourself truly, and then maintain your aim without manipulative effort. Meditate on Christ's words, I can of my own self do nothing. For by our own power we do nothing. Even loving it is love that loves through us. This way of thinking and being integrates new energies and permits us to flow into wholeness, which is the ultimate goal of a spiritual warrior. So, uh, again, really great passage because he points something out here. You know, the whole idea of not giving yourself airs, um, I think that that's, that that's really important. You know, we have to find that balance on between being proud of what we have, we have done in that sense without, you know, getting caught up in cocky. Um, I think that that's, that that's a really a wise thing to, to understand in that sense. You know, airs are, are unnecessary in that sense. Um, and that's what he means by true humility. You don't have to uh, put on airs here. But you can acknowledge that you did do something good. You know what I mean? It's kind of a balance line. I, had a, uh, I was talking to someone recently who 
every time I said something about myself that was even sounding somewhat complimentary, he told me how arrogant he thought I was. I mean, I use an example of this. I was getting ready to, uh, he was talking about um, how he liked to do karaoke, and I said, oh, I, lo- I like to do karaoke a lot. I'm actually really good at it. And he went, oh, God, I can't believe you, ah, I can't believe you would say something like that. And I was like, what? You know, that you're really, really good at a karaoke. I mean, come on. And I said, well, I I have a good singing voice. I don't have the greatest singing voice on the planet. I, I happen to be, um, I can only really sing things that are very low. I can't sing high note stuff. Like, you know, if I hear the Bee Gees or something, that fascinates me that someone could sing that high. I can't do it. But when it comes to low things, I'm, I can I can sing really fairly well. I've been told this repeatedly. And it made me laugh because I thought, here's someone almost in the other extreme that, that's almost like overly humble. And I think, you know, in terms of the culture that he was from and the way that he was, he was taught to kind of be small. And that if you, you advertise yourself at some levels, then you're, you know, you're being cocky. And I, I disagree. I think you have to find that kind of balance line in that sense. And And that's really... Um, uh, Tara one says, I'm always worried that I come across as cocky, uh, except that it's okay on stage. Absolutely. You have to be somewhat cocky on stage. You know, that's sort of the point when you're on stage. You know, it's funny because in the same avenue, when I, when I do karaoke on occasion every couple of months with a couple of friends, a lot of people, they sort of want to sit in their chair and sing, and I want to get up on stage and sing and with a microphone. Like, I like that. In that sense, and other people like they just would cringe at the thought of it. And they're like, I can't believe you're comfortable with that. I'm like, you know what? You're, you're performing, you're playing. That's I, I want people are supposed to look at you. In that sense, that's kind of part of the game. You know what I mean? So no, absolutely. You you have to find that that dance line. But really, the truth is, you know, even when it comes to you know, it's funny because this can stretch into other areas. Even when it comes to relationships and dating. What a lot of women will say about men that's attractive is that they're often attracted to men that are somewhat cocky, that are that are more proud, that are more confident in that sense. In fact, uh, often I was talking, working with a client today, and she's 55, and she um, is getting hit on a lot by men in their 20s and 30s and 40s, and um, you know she's saying that she's not really a cougar. But, you know, um, she's finding that that's happening a lot. And what I had said to her is I said, you know, what you have to realize is for a lot of men, the reason they're pulled to, toward older women at this point is because a lot of times older women are just simply more comfortable with who they are. They're not struggling so much. They're often more comfortable with their bodies. You know what I mean? A lot of 20-something-year-old girls are worried about whether they, you know what I mean, whether they look good enough, whether they're too fat, or whether they're going to, you know what I mean? So that's really where a lot of this attraction comes from. So in essence, they're attracted to the confidence. So really, again, it is kind of this element of healthy confidence in that sense. You could hide and be in the background, but then how does anyone find you? And this really brings up, the, you know, we can tie this in with um, uh, Tarot One with your book in that sense because obviously um, the book looks good. You've done something that is really probably very unique and definitely would interest a lot of people. So really the issue is to find ways to market it and to be willing to let people know that it's there and that it exists in that sense. In fact, I'll give you a suggestion. I, I've just done this myself with, with my book. I, I produced um, kind of cards that have information about the book and my website, and I used a big picture of myself on it. Yes, you know, I'm not 
hideous or anything, so I can I can run with that. And even if I was, I'd probably <laughs> use a picture of myself anyway in that sense. And um, I'm I'm starting to you know I'm take I'm starting to get smaller versions of them and leave them just in places that let you leave business cards behind, marketing the work that I do and the books and the radio show and all of those things. And I mean that's the key is really really the willingness to sort of say hey here's what I have here's what I do you know business cards and things of nature are not expensive to produce. And again it really is about marketing and letting people know that you exist and that you're there. Um, Okay, let me tap back into what you're talking about here. Uh, we, uh, well, it looks like we have a, a smaller audience than normal today, which is fine because I'm tired anyway. So we'll talk mostly about uh, with you, Turo, on today. Um, you say, I used to sing a lot growing up. I've even had two years of voice lessons, which has helped me with my stage speaking. Absolutely. You know, th- there's a couple of things that, that are interesting about that um, because – you know, I know, really, I, I ended up training my voice really strangely with karaoke. It's funny because sometimes people will hear I do karaoke and all that. They groan like, oh, it's so lame. I'm like, it's actually fun. You know what I mean? Kitcha, I thought it was lame too 15 years ago. Then I started doing it. It really is actually very fun. But it was the thing that, that also trained my voice. And also I grew up in a house where we also, we just walked around and sang. Music was playing often. We often we just sang and it was normal. In fact, even like when I'm food shopping, sometimes I'll sing while I'm walking around food shopping. And it, sometimes it's because there's a good song I'm playing in the, in the store. Sometimes it's just something in my head and I'll sing. And people often smile when they see me singing. You know, I mean, I think I sound pretty decent. But it's also that it, it seems happy in that sense. And really, it's that reality that practice t- typically tends to make you, you better at something in that sense. You know, the other thing that I often tell people too, you know, when it comes to being any type of a professional and in the public eye in any way, people do react to you at a physical level in that sense. So, you know, it's not necessarily necessary to have to be perfect or anything like that. All of that is meaningless. But to come across as attractive and appealing, there's certain elements that I think are really of value. You know, I often tell people, you know, if you, if you, don't have great teeth, then at a very practical level, it's worth it to save up to maybe get your teeth uh, bleached or to um, do a little work with the teeth. Because when you're you're talking with people and you work with them, people really do react a lot to people's um, mouth in that sense. So there really can be some wisdom in doing that. You know, some people were lucky. I was pretty lucky to have decent teeth, but I, I, I won't lie. Probably 10 years ago, I had my teeth professionally whitened. And um, I, I do it maybe every year. I'm not compulsive about it, uh, but I do it like every year. And I often do get a lot of compliments about that, too. Again, something very smart. But it really also has to do with even dressing fairly well, um, learning how to shake people's hands and look them in the eye when you talk to them, and really, really be willing to sell who and what you are in that respect. I have a very, very good friend of mine who I'm working with on my third book, my, my gambling book, which I mentioned in the last show, teaching people how to gamble for, for very little. And um, she uh, created a dog book um, recently. Uh, she, wrote a, she wrote another book called Do You Know Where Your Kids Are Texting? Um, and you could get that on, on Amazon. It's a great little book that gives you all those, all those things. With kid, every kid is writing each other, all the symbols and everything and what it actually means. And her name is Joanne Daly, and she um, and she uh, uh, is she created another book. It's about um, it's for dogs. It's how to cook 
homemade dog biscuits for your dogs. There's all kind of recipes on how to cook food for them, dog cookies, all kinds of things. It's a great little book that she did. She did this back in the summer, and I looked at it, and I looked at her, and I said, you do realize that this will really sell. This is a very smart idea. She did a great job of it, Gemini. So, of course, she just was fanatically detailed about everything. She had quotes from celebrities about their dogs. and Anyway, so long story short, um, I had said to her, uh, wow, you um, you know, you better realize that you can easily get on uh, – local talk shows and things of that nature, you know, you're gonna this is a reality for you. And I could see that her eyes kinda got big and then she also got a little bit nervous in that sense because she, you could tell that it scared her a little bit about really going in, in public in that way. She had not been used to it. So I think she had made some decision that she was going to lose weight, uh, for multiple reasons. So she ended up joining Weight Watchers in, in August and has actually lost thirty five pounds since August the Weight Watchers. But that's not the most interesting part of the story. Um, the interesting part of the story is she started also creating little Weight Watchers cookbooks and putting them on disc and then started marketing it through through Weight Watchers and through um, eBay. And lo and behold, she's making between five and $1,100 a week extra money on the side marketing um, these cookbooks and various other things. So very very smart uh marketing and and you know really had figured some things out with that so my suggestion here for you Turo one also is i really think um you know you've got a, a really good idea here um i i am feeling very optimistic about where you can take this um and and definitely it's that willingness to say hey listen this is what i've done you know you may want to get a pr agent um you know you can research that online and look to, into getting a pr agent it absolutely can be a lot easier to have someone to do some of the marketing for you, even if they're taking some element of a cut. Well worth it. Um, sometimes it can be tough to fully market yourself. So I would I highly recommend that. I'm actually in the process of doing that myself, getting a, a PR agent, and I've actually been putting together some, some um, packaging to mention the different things I do and, and all of that, and I'm, I'm open to getting some uh, PR agent, agent or agent myself as well, too. So I would highly recommend that because you actually you have a book that somewhat um, is, is some, obviously clearly somewhat metaphysical, but you know people's interest in magic and things of that nature um, would, would make it more accessible to other people as well. Um, in fact, I, I really think you could probably, you know, any appearances or things that you did, you really could pull off well because a couple of magic tricks thrown in would really, really, uh, really, really work. I mean, so I, I think you've got a very marketable uh, thing here to work with in that sense. So, 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 uh, absolutely, good luck with that. Even though I don't think you'll need good luck, I think you'll you've got something there to do that. But yeah, uh, definitely look at. Like I said, it, it's really a process of learning about uh, publishing. You know, I, I was lucky because I, in college I actually was an advertising art major, so I, I really did learn a bit about some of these things at a young age, and I am able to do some packaging and marketing for myself. So uh, anyway, again, congratulations on that. Uh, looks like, wow, we're, I can't believe how quickly our 45 minutes went. Um, we're down to our last two minutes here already of the show, so um, I'm going to kind of Again, uh, congratulate you and anyone who's listening to this either live or um, also in um, in the archives. Absolutely, uh, go check out Tarowan's book. There's a link here for that, and uh, yeah, absolutely feel free to uh, to go and, and check out his book. It looks like a good one. 
Um, okay, so looks like we're getting ready to uh, sign off here in the next minute or so. Um, uh, all the shows go to archive, so if you missed uh, any part of the show, um, absolutely go back to the archive and you can listen to it again that way. Um, I will be back here again next Thursday. You know, we, there's actually was five Thursdays um, in there's five Thursdays in March, so um, I am actually getting my fourth show in anyway. Uh, I guess that did work out. So I'm going to be doing another kind of um, listener's choice show next week, and then the week after that will be my, my show, which focuses more on my, my monthly column. If you're not already receiving my monthly column, Snake Oil, absolutely email me at VenturaSag at Yahoo.com or at VenturaWords uh, at Mac.com, and I can hook you up so that you can get my monthly column. And also, and, you know, and if you're interested in, in personal sessions or private uh, readings in any context, absolutely go to my website. Uh, it's right on the page here at Blog Talk Radio as well, too. And you can check out uh, any of my books and CDs and various other things that I do. That list is actually growing. I am about to publish Snake Oil Volume 2, and I think I'm actually going to self-publish. I was contemplating getting a publisher, but I think I might go the self-publishing route again. So I'll give everyone information on that when that is out, and I've got it going through its last round of edits, and I've gotten a lot of compliments on it from my editor. thinks it's uh, rather good. So, Hey, practice makes perfect. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, this is uh, Jim Ventura signing out. Uh, happy Thursday, and we'll hopefully see and hear you all next week. Cheers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.